You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast, the final Blue Zone Podcast before free agency descends in mass upon the NFL, even though in some ways it already has begun just with the plethora of players who hit the chopping block this week because of the NFL's reduced salary cap numbers this year. Teams trying to get below that number. Some teams in much better position than others. The Colts are one of those teams, so fans of the horseshoe will be very happy to hear that. But now the free agency is almost here. We will detail the latest moves around the league, talk about how they might impact the Colts, do one final free agency preview, uh, but first, I should introduce everybody. That'd, that'd be important. I'm Dave Griffiths, alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, as always. We first start with news around the league and also some franchise tag numbers that were finalized over the past week as well. Uh, news-wise, Dallas Cowboys have finally signed quarterback Dak Prescott in what seems like it was a five-year-long uh, debate year after year after the Cowboys pay this person, pay that person. When are they going to pay Dak? When are they going to pay Dak? Well, Dak's finally paid four years. $160 million reported deal, including a record $126 million in guaranteed money. So an average of $40 million per year. Uh, Mike, I think that uh, Colts fans could, if even if they felt bad about a Carson Wentz $25 million cap hit, you, you see the going rate for quarterbacks, and then you're like, you know what, $25 million doesn't sound so bad. You know, the perspective that was put out there is that Jerry Jones, I think in 1989, Bought the Cowboys for $140 million, and now he's give, he's given his quarterback 160 And I tossed out there, too, not to bring up sore subjects, what would Andrew Luck draw? Yeah. He, he, he would be close to getting a new contract as well. And we can say this guy's not worth that. And this isn't about worth. It, it's never about worth. It's what's the market. And when you've got a quarterback and he he's shown that he's – wherever you want to put him in the top 10, you're going to pay him. And and this is a guy that, that for all that y- you think you like about him, what have they done with him? I, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying to trash him. I'm just saying, what have you done with Dak Prescott as far as playoffs, Super Bowl, and all that? But having said that, you have to get this done because without him, you're, you're just not what you need to be. So when you get the quarterback, you got to pay him. Completely. Completely agree. Elsewhere in the uh, AFC South, closer to home, the uh, Tennessee Titans have agreed to trade 2020 first-round pick Isaiah Wilson and a seventh-round pick next year, 2022, for a seventh-round pick this year in 2021 from the Dolphins. Joe, we've talked frequently on this podcast that when you miss on a first-round pick, you're chasing for years to come. So this is obviously a blow to the Titans, and holy heck, they, they trade basically a se- they trade seventh round picks uh, for the ability to get rid of this guy already. This is I, I, I disaster might be too strong of the word, but it might not be too strong of the word after uh, what they certainly expected Isaiah Wilson to be for the years to come. I think disaster is spot on. I mean, for as a Colts fan looking at a division rival, basically cut their first round pick from just a year ago at an important position, offensive tackle. It has to make you feel good as a Colts fan who wants to beat the Titans. Um, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, Isaiah Wilson, hopefully this young man can get it right in his second chance with the Dolphins. Things really seem to spiral out of control in Tennessee. I don't know everything that went on there, but not a good look for the Titans who, you know, they had to, we'll get to this in a second, but they had to cut a few other players this week as well. They did, and they did sign another player, actually, a former Colt wide receiver, Marcus Johnson. He's shown up on the stat sheet every now and then over the past couple seasons, came over in a trade from Philadelphia. If I remember, the Eagles traded Johnson to the Colts. It might have been a tight end that went their way a couple years ago after training camp. Um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but uh, but Johnson came to the Colts. He was familiar with Frank Reich. Uh, certainly was valuable several different weeks uh, for the Colts offense, but but not a guy that um, that proved that he deserved to be a on the field as a playmaker week after week. Um, so you got other guys who were uh, who were still ahead of him in the pecking order. And so now Johnson goes elsewhere trying to see what he can do uh, with a fellow uh, division foe uh, in the Titans. 
Well, one offensive tackle, Trent Brown, that who had his name kind of floated around there from the Raiders as a guy who could be on the move this offseason, is on the move as the Raiders try to make move after move to get under the salary cap number. Uh, Brown and a seventh-round pick next year go to the Patriots for a fifth-round pick next year. Um, and uh, the Raiders have gotten rid of three starters on their offensive line, Mike. I mean, Gabe Jackson, Richie Incognito, and now Trent Brown. Uh, so that's going to be that, that's a tough situation to to lose three offensive linemen in one year. We saw the Raiders last year certainly at their best. They were really darn good. They beat the Chiefs. Um, they uh, protected Derek Carr pretty well, having one of his better years, uh, other than the near MVP season he had a couple years ago when the Raiders went fourteen and two. Um, but they're going to have some. It, it's the the salary cap situation is forcing some teams into a rebuild this year that they didn't intend to be in, and, and the the Raiders are, are are one of those teams. And Mike, again, that casts the light on the Colts that they're in a completely different situation that the salary cap was managed completely differently. Not that the Raiders really managed the cap wrong. I don't think you could say that, but they just managed it maybe a little bit less. Um, a little bit more carefree, and that just unfortunately comes back to bite them a little bit this offseason. It must be an AFC West thing because the Kansas City Chiefs are like without any linemen. Yep. What they yeah. cut their two uh, they cut their two tackles from yep. uh, the Super Bowl and 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 it just it just go back whatever you want to believe from Chris Ballard and how much smoke he puts out there and all that. Take to heart when he says that in his soul he believes offensive line, defensive line, and he does. That'll drive everything they do, and when you team you see teams like this in March, who are scrambling for their offensive line. Well, the Colts are semi scrambling for left tackle, but at le- but at least they're not you know in in desperation mode because somehow they'll find a way to get that one spot settled. Yeah, these are teams that are completely. You think Patrick Mahomes is a little bit nervous right now? Hmm. So uh, so again, this is, and when you look at the salary cap. We can maybe dive later into it a little bit later on. Right now, the cap, just for people, just the primer, is the cap has been set at 182.5, 182.5 million. But with the adjustment, the Colts cap is at 190.8 million. Uh, and they've got cap space, of, and, and that, that uh, adjustment is from carryover from last year. Their cap space is, is roughly 46.7 million. Which is really pretty good. It gives you it gives you options. It really does. But uh, again, just really quickly, forty seven million. Okay, wide receiver and Ty is going to cost you ten. Edge pass rusher is going to cost you minimum twelve. A cornerback or Xavier Rhodes is going to cost you around roughly eight million. Well, right there's thirty million. And then you got uh, restricted free agent tenders for Pascal, Ali Cox, and Odom. That's roughly nine or ten million. So all of a sudden, your cap's gone. And oh, by the way, you've got extensions you need to do. So, yes, the, the cap space is really pretty encouraging. I went back and looked at the top ten teams with cap space. Three of them made the playoffs. The Colts had the most cap space among playoff teams last year. So they've done such a they've done a very good job of of contracts of not whiffing on free agent contracts where you had got dead money. But when you think they've got forty-seven million, they do. But it goes quickly when when you're addressing three prime positions. When it comes to compensatory picks in the 2021 NFL Draft, only one AFC South team gets one, and once again, that would be the Tennessee Titans. They got a third-round pick, 100th overall, and um, I believe it was three players counted against the compensatory pick formula for them. It's Jack Conklin, Marcus Mariota, and Vic Beasley. Uh, that, according to Over the Cap. Um, so the Titans get an extra third round pick and heck they have some holes to fill as Joe alluded to. And as we've already uh, talked about a little bit as well, uh, around the NFL offensive tackle, Orlando Brown, uh, the tackle from the Ravens who we've talked about before says he wants to go elsewhere. He wants to be a left tackle because he's stuck at right tackle over in Baltimore right now. Um, NFL network reports, six teams are showing interest in Brown right now and all parties involved seem confident a deal will get done to send Brown elsewhere for his fourth NFL season. And when you look at teams that um, need enough tackle, obviously the Colts are up there. So you anticipate that maybe they're among those six teams, perhaps. But as Mike said as well, uh, you really have to pick and choose where you're going to spend your money because there's a lot of positions that tend to be more big money spots that, that you need to fill. 
Uh, you need edge rusher. You need cornerback. Obviously, you need tackle. Um, looking at other areas, playmaker is one thing that Jim Ursay talked about. Whether that's a wide receiver or a tight end, wide receivers there, of course, with Ty. Uh, do you sign another tight end as well? Like I said, um, so Brown Brown would eat up um, if you want to sign him to a new contract. Brown would eat up uh, nearly half <laughs> of your forty six million dollars. Um, and the top tier left tackles will do that, and they'll get twenty million dollars a season. So um, that uh, it. it it all comes together. Uh, so every, uh, every podcast we've done over the past two months, um, you'll see, obviously, and hear similar um, themes throughout them. And uh, we kind of weave them all together to, uh, to get to this last one. Um, but before we do really fully dive into free agency, we'll mention the franchise tag players who will not hit free agency. First, some guys who will not be available Um, as the franchise tag window is now closed. um, But the players to receive the tag, a couple wide receivers and Chris Godwin for Tampa Bay, Chicago's Allen Robinson, a couple offensive tackles in the Jaguars' Cam Robinson and the Panthers' Taylor Moten, uh, guard Brandon Scherf of the Washington football team, um, Giants defensive end Leonard Williams, and a trio of safeties, uh, Justin Simmons of Denver, Marcus uh, May of the Jets, and New Orleans' Marcus Williams. Um, so that being, I mean, there's a lot of significant guys who didn't receive franchise tags, but uh, those are all guys who will not be uh, available when free agency begins. And we'll kind of get to some of those guys who are not tagged uh, when we hit our uh, free agents uh, a little bit later. But uh, this this was a uh, get in the black week or a red week, you could call it, uh, for for the NFL. Either one, whichever way you want to look at it, for teams across the league or players who. Uh, had rich contracts that uh, left teams with no dead money when you cut them, or a little dead money, whatever it might have been, and teams that needed to get under this new cap number. Uh, when you look at players, Mike alluded to already a pair of tackles for Kansas City, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Um, both of them are gone from the Chiefs. And in part, it's surprising, because if you watch the Super Bowl and those two guys didn't play, you realized how valuable they were to the Chiefs, because Patrick Mahomes was running for his life on seemingly every play and if you don't have your two starting tackles well you're in a world of trouble but also you're in a world of trouble if you can't get under the salary cap as well and the Chiefs made the move to get rid of offensive tackle Eric Fisher and tackle Mitchell Schwartz um, before next season begins uh, Joe this was a move that like I said it's it's not surprising and it is surprising and it just depends on how you look at it uh, but these are both guys who had injuries over the past year or two, so that could be something that impacts their value as teams start looking at them for next year. Yeah, I think the way the uh, Chiefs probably looked at this is, especially with Eric Fisher, who just tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game, is he probably wasn't going to be ready for the 2021 season anyway. Maybe he could have come back for the playoffs of something of that nature, but for a team trying to get under the salary cap, to pay these players who may not even be ready for the next season probably went into that decision and will go into the decisions of teams looking to sign offensive tackles. One thing, on you talk about the cap and teams making these moves. As we sit here today, the last time I checked, nine teams are still over the cap. And again, we talked about this. It's not a suggestion to, <laughs> to, to be under the cap. You yeah. have to be under the cap. I mean, starting on the the 17th, you have to be cap compliant. And right now, uh, as I look at it, who is it? The Saints are the Saints are 25 million over. The Rams are at league high 33 million over. And that's just to get compliant. That's not to take into account. Okay, now we've got room to sign our draft picks like the Colts need when we budget the cap the 47 million. You've got to allot almost six million dollars for your draft pool. And teams always keep, I don't know, five or six million, seven million, as sort of what do you do during the season when you when you need to replace guys. So uh, again, budgeting budgeting your, your 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 cap space, you can do a lot of things with it. You really can. You you can. It's amazing how well look at the Saints, how they've always and, and the Steelers always been massaging and and, and and tweaking the cap, but at some point. It bites you in the butt, and that, that's why these teams, you're, you're seeing these teams jettison really good players. So, again, these teams have to just get compliant before before the Saints can sign Jameis Winston. 
mm-hmm. whatever he's going to cost. So, you know, and I remember all there, there were so many years in the past with the Colts and the Mannings and Napoleons where they, they were doing these gymnastics. So at least at least the Colts have flexibility to do things without cutting players. And if you look at that Colts roster, let's say they had to say, hey, we need to cut three guys to create cap space. There's not really too many players you'd say, yeah, we can really get rid of this guy and create this, you know, Jack Doyle maybe, which you're not going to do. There's or in Mark Lewinsky are the only two that really save much space, and you're not going to do that because these are good players. It's tough to put yourself into these other teams' scenarios for sure. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, another one of those teams, left tackle Riley Reef um, is a cap casualty. Uh, 127 starts over nine seasons, allowed just one sack last year in 567 pass-blocking snaps. Uh, that, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. So you add Reef to the to the pile of left tackles now who are available, who may interest the Colts uh, as they start looking at free agents uh, this offseason. A couple defensive ends there as well. Carlos Dunlop of Seattle, uh, defensive end Adrian Claiborne of Cleveland, uh, the Bills wide receiver, John Brown also. And uh, funny thing, he was on Sirius XM NFL radio, Joe. And he, he mentioned both the Steelers and the Colts as two teams that, that he would specifically be interested in. I'm sure somebody just asked him off the top of his head and he gets those two. I'm, it doesn't, doesn't just pigeonhole him, but the fact that the Colts are, are one of the teams that, that John Brown would be, would be interested in shows that he, he can't be the only one that there are some other teams, other players around the league who might be interested in coming here as well. Yeah, Brown said that, um, you know, when they the Bills and the Colts played each other in the playoffs, he took notice of the Colts and said they're a team that's uh, up and coming and they may need a receiver if T.Y. Hilton is not re-signed. And I, I actually really like this. I think John Brown can give you a lot of what T.Y. gives you potentially at a cheaper price. We'll see. I mean, if the contracts are similar, just bring back T.Y. in my opinion. But if you're looking for a cheaper option, John Brown might be a, a good speed wide receiver to add to the mix, a reliable veteran, someone who, like I said, can give you a lot of the similar things that T.Y. brings to the field. Another veteran wide receiver uh, on the chopping block as well as wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders from New Orleans. And then a, quad, uh, let's see, five defensive backs. We have uh, LaMarcus Joyner of Las Vegas, uh, the Saints' Janoris Jenkins, uh, the Lions' Desmond Trufant, and then a pair from Tennessee uh, that we alluded to earlier, uh, that they have a couple cap casualties, uh, a couple more cap casualties in Malcolm Butler, Super Bowl hero himself, and uh, Kenny Vaccaro. So all those players are, are now free agents. And as Mike, you alluded to a little bit ago, that that that. That list is not complete. We still have uh, another six days, I believe it is. It's the 17th uh, where things really open up for the new league year. So next Wednesday at, I don't know exactly the time, it's like 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the afternoon whenever the the league year begins that all these teams need to be under the cap. And so there will be a lot more, a lot more veterans uh, to hit the chopping block over that time and become available over that time. And uh, that just means that uh, next week's Colts Blue Zone podcast is going to be a very interesting one, I'm sure, whether it's uh, for moves for the Colts or around the league, uh, whatever it might be. But as we've learned over previous years, Chris Ballard doesn't always empty his magazine on day one of, of, the, um, of free agency. He leaves a couple bullets in the chamber. And now that the Colts are eyeing this year's free agency, we figured we should look back and see exactly what Ballard has done in recent years in free agency. Um, And we'll start with last year. Uh, Last year, the Colts signed really four players in free agency, four significant signings, and only one of them was right off the top. That was quarterback Phillip Rivers, uh, getting the one-year $25 million deal right then on March 17th. It took a little bit for the Colts to get a second one. That was cornerback Xavier Rhodes nine days later. It's in the, uh, the vein, both him and then corner T.J. Carey at the end of March and tight end Trey Burton in April. Guys that aren't scooped up right away as teams start to fill out their rosters. Guys that don't get the big money, that aren't the most sought-after guys, but guys that you can use to fill out your roster. And once a lot of teams have spent their money and gotten a lot closer to the cap, there's fewer teams that are interested in those guys after the start of free agency. So you got some of them on perhaps a discounted rate, like Xavier Rhodes was, for sure. 
brought him in for three and a quarter million. This year he's going to earn, as Mike alluded to earlier, uh, somewhere between seven and nine probably in that range. So four players in free agency, a couple cornerbacks, uh, wide receiver, I mean rather tight end Trey Burton, and quarterback Phillip Rivers was, of course, the uh, crown jewel of that 2020 class. 2019? Well, yeah, 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 go ahead, go uh, ahead, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, and then Mike. One, 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 thing, real, one thing real quick is, is you need to almost include Anthony Costanzo in that group. They gave him that two-year, $33 million extension, so that you could almost say he was part of that free agent class because you re-signed one of your own at a big ticket. Good point. Yeah, I uh, in this list, by the way, I didn't include re-signings, just kind of the external right. players that right. the Colts brought in. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about the Xavier Rhodes contract from 2020 because I wanted to bounce this off of you guys because it seems to me that the Colts are in prime position to do that this year more than any year, kind of wait for that initial uh, flurry in free agency to pass and then sign a bunch of players for really bargain deals. And Mike said earlier, nine teams still have to get under the salary cap number. So that's nine teams who probably aren't going to be vying for these big contracts. That's nearly a third of the league. Nearly a third of the league needs to do that. Yeah, sorry, continue. Exactly. So so when I look at this and I see all these, I mean, you look at the free agency market, there are a lot of good names out there. There are a lot of good players. And it kind of seems to me that the Colts can sit back and just pick these players off one by one on bargain deals. And a lot of the players might be willing to take these bargain deals because just like Xavier Rhodes, they take a one-year deal for cheap. They you know, raise their stock by good play on the field. And then in 2022, hopefully the salary cap is back up and they can get that big payday. Are you guys kind of seeing the same thing? Yeah, I'll I'll echo that and then I'll let Mike talk afterward. I'll say that I think we're going to see a ton, a ton of one-year contracts this offseason in the anticipation that things will get better next year. And because there won't be that many teams that are able to offer multiple-year big-money contracts uh, just because of the salary cap situation this year. Although some teams could and try to kind of play the system with maybe a smaller number this year and then add some years to it and bigger numbers over the next couple years. So that's a possibility as well. So there are things that teams can do to try to skirt around the issue and still try to give some of these bigger deals, these longer-term deals, just make it kind of back-heavy. Which is honestly what you don't want to do, though, especially if you're signing guys who are in their early 30s. You don't want to give back heavy contracts to them. You want to give them more of the money up front and then later have smaller deals that oh, you can cut them if it just doesn't work out. So uh, so, so I agree with you in part that I think there will be more one-year deals, uh, but there, um, there, there's just still the possibility of, of kind of more, uh, more clever deals if teams really want to um, maybe throw caution to the wind a little bit and try to try to take advantage of other team situations this offseason. I've always said life's about timing, and this is the worst time to be a free agent. It, it just is. I agree. Uh, there's there's going to be – there will be big contracts, whether it's Trent Williams or, or Alejandro Villanueva, Kenny Galladay, uh, gosh, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. I don't think Shaq Barrett's going to make the market. I think Tampa Bay resigns him. But Carl Lawson, uh, Nagakwe, uh, the kid from, is it Detroit, uh, uh, Akara? I'll screw his name up, Romeo. You just need uh, to spell it. I, well, I, I can spell. But, <laughs> but it, you're going to see 10, maybe 12 guys get those contracts. And then and then that's it. You're just not going to have the, the, the cap space or the desire to sign guys to these, I don't say long-term, three- or four-year contracts. So you're going to see a lot of one-years to where the cap should not only increase, but really, I mean, in the next four or five years, it's going to go crazy with the new TV deal. So it's going to behoove the Colts to kind of do what they've done. What's the longest contract they've given in free agency? Three years, I think, to Sheridan. Yeah, it looks like three years. uh, Sheridan and uh, Danico Autry. And the rest of them have been these one and two year deals. Let's say two Justin Houston's a perfect example. It's a two year deal that was not backloaded. That's what that that's why I say uh, they've done a really good job of first they've not missed on too many. We can talk about that in a minute about who they've missed on. But when you miss on a free agent if you're not careful, you know, he costs you ten million dollars when he leaves because of the of the dead money, the way you structure the contract. 
So they've done a really good job of first hitting on guys. They really have. But but then of not backloading contracts to where it, it just won't go away. And, uh, again, free agency-wise, I, I think they're, they're going to be, again, like they've been selective because what they want to do is position themselves because in this summer and next summer, they got some monster, monster extensions that they've got to get done. Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, uh, Naheem Hines isn't monster, but it'll be a good payday. Uh, Braden Smith. And that's what you want to do. You want to have those core players, at, at as it turns out, core positions that you can reward. And then if you're really, really good at what you're doing, you use free agency to, okay, this year we need we need X. We need a pass rusher. Let's go out and we, we can pay whatever it takes maybe to get him or a corner or whatever. So uh, I, I like the way they've done things, but I think they have to have one eye on beyond this coming two or three months because they've got their own they've got to take care of, and they will take care of. 2019's free agency period for the Colts saw three uh, significant signings. Uh, one of them turned out to be not very significant. Well, two of them really not very significant for the team. Um, wide receiver Devin Funches signed a one-year $10 million prove-it deal and then went down in week one for the rest of the season. Um, offensive tackle Jamarcus Webb signed a one-year $1 million deal. He played some time here but never really made a, made a mark. And then defensive end Justin Houston, a two-year deal, $24 million, which was certainly the, uh, the jewel of that class. Um, and Houston came 10 days after the start of free agency. Um, uh, Funches signed right at the top of free agency March 11th Houston signed 10 days later on March 21st uh, then Webb signed in April uh, so again when you, when, yeah, you, go ahead. when you look when you go back and look at this do you consider Funches a miss I I hesitate to call it a miss but because of the injury like you you could technically call it that because he did not pan out like the 10 million dollars did not pan out I think you would have said yes, it was if he signed it. No, nah, 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 never mind. Because I was about to say two year deal, but he would have been healthy for the second year. So, so scratch yeah, that. It's, but it's just the, like, I think you can technically the, call it a miss if you're being if you're being nasty. But at the same time, you're just like ah, that's 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 business. That that's a business deal that just didn't go the right way. Right. It's it's not like he just couldn't play. Right. It, it's just that he couldn't play because he you know he had the shoulder injury. So that's one that it, it's prob- that's probably the biggest miss. Because you paid him ten million dollars and you got what three quarters? Yeah, out of him. So, yeah. So, so you could but, call it that, right? It, it depends on whether your glass is half full or half empty, I guess. Yeah, um, it's it's like it, it's not a miss that you chalk up against the the general manager though. Say, oh boy, what a what an awful uh, idea from what, Ballard what, to bring in what Devin did you, What did you what did you see to want to give him ten million dollars? Well, I saw it, a healthy it, player. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So like that, that's kind of how I define a miss, whether it like the general manager and scouting department should have seen something different. And in that situation, I just don't think they they could have seen anything different. Um, Back to 2018 um, was a was a pretty good class, at least at the top for sure. March 14th was the start of free agency, or at least near the start of free agency, when the Colts signed Danico Autry to that three year, nearly 18 million dollar deal. Five days later, um, one of the best free agent signings that the Colts had, in spite of how things finished with uh, Eric Ebron, but his first year with the Colts was nothing short of spectacular. Um, Ebron signed a two-year, $13 million deal. A former top 10 pick in the NFL draft, done with the Lions, came to Indy, revamped or revived his career under Andrew Luck, had a, an incredible season, a Pro Bowl season. Uh, every time the Colts were in the red zone, it seemed like Ebron was getting targeted. And uh, for one year, everything was hunky-dory and peachy keen. Then came year two when Andrew Luck decided to retire. So, um, so yeah, Ebron was, was certainly one of the best signings that, uh, that Chris Ballard made. And again, it's not one that comes on day one. It's one that comes a couple days later. Uh, Matt Slauson at guard uh, saw a little bit of time, and then he got hurt. Uh, career-ending injury, if I remember correctly. Um, Ryan Grant. One year, five million, did not pan out so well. Ryan Grant might be the biggest miss in my mind, um, but he was also for hurt too. Five million for five million, you're probably right. Exactly. So I think maybe Ryan Grant tops the list so far, at least. We'll keep going, but there's only one more year, and uh, Najee Good uh, as well, who is important for special teams, and it was the third linebacker there. I like Najee a lot. He was our player analyst for Fox 59 that year. Uh, so we got we uh, brought him into the studio quite a bit. He was a great dude, and didn't just didn't see a ton of time. But he signed for less than a million dollars. So it's like, yeah, who, who cares? Um, but, uh, Joe, you look at that list, and obviously Autry and Ebron uh, have played 
significant roles on the Colts in, in their time here. Um, out, out of all those, though, uh, it, 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 was, it was a productive, I guess, free agent 2018. Not the best, but certainly not the worst that, um, that Chris Bauer has had during his time. Yeah, I remember when uh, I got the notification they signed Autry. I was at the gym, and it was like three years, $17 million for Danico Autry. I said, who? Um, you know, he had spent some time with the Raiders, never really popped or made, you know, a nationwide name for himself. But this is the kind of signing that the Colts need to pull off this offseason. They need to find the new Danico Autry to play defensive end. Uh, I mean, looking back, Danico Autry for – under $18 million over three years was an absolute steal. I mean, he was near the lead for the Colts and Sacks or did lead them in two of his three years here, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, absolutely. So it's time for the Colts to um, Chris Ballard to work his magic again and find the new Danico Autry if he doesn't end up bringing him back. I think he's he's Ballard's best free agent signing. Either him or the next year we're going to go to is at 17 with Jabal shared. If you look at Autry, 40 starts, 40 of 48 starts uh, games, 101 tackles, 26 tackles for loss, 20 sacks, 31 quarterback hits, uh, a pro- for 18 million dollars for three years. Sign me up. I, I thought I'd still think he's your their best free agent signing. So two of their best over the time in Danico Autry and Eric Ebron. Back to 2017, where the Colts had a significant amount of turnover uh, in Chris Ballard's first offseason as general manager. Uh, you look at edge rusher Barkevius Mingo, signed a one-year $2 million deal. That was at the start of free agency on March 9th. He's the first one out there. Um, John Simon, a three-year $13.5 million deal on March 10th. A lot of people here really like John Simon. Count me among that group. He was productive during his time here. Um, but went elsewhere uh, when the Colts really changed things up on their uh, defensive uh, strategies and schemes. Uh, Jabal Sheard, though, Mike brought him up uh, at the top. That uh, could have been one of the best, if not the best signing that Chris Bauer had here. Three years, $25.5 million, uh, started every game he played, was a tremendous run defender at defensive end, and also added a little bit of pass rush from time to time. And was the type of guy that, I mean, Chris Ballard mentioned, I think, at the end of last year, uh, talking about locker room leaders on the defensive side and needing them. I think uh, Jabal Sheard was a name that he mentioned, a guy that they, they really missed in that locker room uh, toward the end of last year. when not, not this past season, but the year before when things started to, um, started to not be quite as good. Anyway, um, defensive linemen, also Margus Hunt and Al Woods. They both signed for about two years and $4 million, both of those guys, uh, four or five days after free agency began on March 13th. Robert Turbin, running back, two years, $2.7 million on March 13th. Um, Kamar Aiken, wide receiver, one year, $2.6 million, who was okay, but certainly nothing spectacular there, only a one-year deal. Um, the biggest free agent signing in terms of money paid and years as well, three years as we've said before, I don't know if Colts fans would be able to pick pick this one out, who the Chris Ballard signed the most money to in his free agent uh, first one, two, three, four free agency years, is defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins. Gave him $27 million over three years on April 13th, so a full month after free agency began back in 2017. Uh Hankins had a pretty good year, if you remember correctly. But again, with the scheme change, they decided to go in a different direction, and Hankins went elsewhere. And uh, both sides moved on, in spite of Hankins having a, a very fine year, I thought. And maybe the next two years could have continued to grow on that. But, hey, you, you change the scheme, guys work better elsewhere, and, and you move on. Linebacker Jonathan Bostic as well, a one-year uh, 700000 uh, deal in in late April too. He saw some time uh, starting at linebacker for for a hot minute for the Colts that season. So, so that was the big 2017 year, uh, Mike. I don't did, think did we you see mean, anything. Did you mention? Did you mention Jeff Locke, the punter? Who who what now? Jeff Locke, the punter. They brought in here as a free agent. No, the punter's Minnesota. not here. Yeah, the uh, uh, two, Jeff... two years. It, it wasn't a great contract. It was two years, three point five million, one point two five guaranteed, but. He was supposed to be Pat McAfee's replacement. 
if yep. you remember. Jeff Locke, is that him? J- Jeff Locke from Minnesota and yep. some some uh, some hot shot upstart by the uh, a hot shot upstart. Jeez, by, by the San, name by of the Rigo. Name of Sanchez. <laughs> Yes. Don't talk about Rigo versus Sanchez like that. I know. On, my, my bad. Sorry, Rigo. <laughs> that, that, that one's on me. Uh, sorry about that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll include Jeff Locke in, in that year's deal uh, as well. So that certainly wasn't all that impressive of a signing, but you can also point to an impressive preseason camp by, by Rigo to, to beat him out. And now he's, uh, he's here and he's good, especially after the surgery last year. Glad to have him. Um, but uh, Mike, I, as I was uh, saying, you look at the the raw number of people that they signed that year. That was because there was a big, big um, need to fill out the roster and to change over the roster from really one tenure uh, in Ryan Grigson to another tenure in um, in Chris Ballard. So you, people think, hey, the Colts have a ton of cap space this, this summer. Maybe they'll sign a bunch of guys. Well, pump the brakes on that. A because of the point you made earlier, that money goes quickly. And B, it's not a full roster overhaul they need. They're not going to sign a good uh, 10, uh, 9, 10 guys in free agency. And, th- and that's one where I remember talking to Chris Ballard at the time, or, or maybe a year later, is they sat down. I think he and Chuck sat down and said, okay, defensively, what have we got? And I, I think Chris Ballard circled uh, Clayton Gather's name as the only viable player coming back on defense. Yep. Most of those free agents in 17 were defensive players. For a reason, so uh, uh, that it, it reminded me of uh, when Bill Polian came here in 1998. The defense was awful, absolutely awful, and they went big time in free agency. So that's why it, it took them a year or two to get the defense together, and they're at the point now where yes, they've got three or four major positions to fill, but by and large, top to bottom, this roster is in pretty good shape with, with quality players at most positions. And a little bit of depth. So again, I hate to keep beating the same point, but but they're in good position if if they can if they're right on like the next you know these these two or three critical positions. When you look at uh, that 2017 class, Joe, um, I think that what stands out is Sheard obviously stands out because of his length here and his his value here. But I thought Al Woods was a really good signing too, and Marcus Hunt was pretty good as well. I mean, he got a second contract. Marcus second did before, contract. yeah, Correct. before leaving. And uh, and Al Woods, when he played, when he was on the field, the Colts were a much better run run defensive team than he was off the field. You could see his impact there too. So, really, a couple of those defensive line guys really were were very valuable for uh, a, a like I said, a new regime trying to kind of turn things around on that side of the ball. Yeah, and, you know, Ballard loves the defensive line, and you look at, what's this, one, two, three, four, five, six defensive linemen, if you keep count the, um, you know, a 3-4 outside linebacker as a, basically a defensive end and a 4-3. So he's attacking the positions that he values, um, and like Mike said, that, that position is one that they're going to have to attack again because the edge rusher is a huge question mark as we head into the 2021 offseason and eventually the season. Yeah, um, I, I'm looking right now at – hang on. I'm trying to find um, just back to 2018's uh, free agent class, the one where Danico Autry signed. Maybe that was in defensive tackles he was technically listed. Hang on. I've got this uh, – this other website up. So I'm, I'm just trying to find uh, where Autry was kind of ranked in that in that class or where other people thought he, he would be. Well, he had, and, been, uh, he, had been, he had been a rotational player. He hadn't started all that much. Right, yeah. For the Raiders. Um, yeah, okay, okay. So he, he was on the very first day of, um, of free agency there on March 14th. So uh, according to, what is this, WalterFootball.com, this is the list that I found, uh, they listed him as the 18th, um, let's see, uh, free agent interior defensive tackle there. Um, they say he could never be a starter because he's too much of a liability against the run, but he's a pass rushing specialist. That was their, uh, their quick, uh, their quick bit on him. And the Colts moved him outside and he was much less of a liability against the run. You can say that for sure. But, but obviously his, um, his pass rush was, was, was certainly his strength and it continues to be so that, that year had guys like, um, let's see here, Don Terry Poe. Was a uh, Domkin Sue was a free agent. Um, David Irving of the Cowboys, Sheldon Richardson, Jonathan Hackins of the Colts was a free agent. Muhammad Wilkerson. So those were some of the top tier name uh, guys up there. 
So once again, you're looking at guys that that Chris Ballard has signed. What's he done in the past? You sign guys right out of the gates. It's not the best. It's not the top even three to five guys. I mean, Phillip Rivers might have been considered that as a quarterback last year. I think that's a little bit different situation because of uh, their history. But wide receivers, Devin Funchess was not a like top five free agent wide receiver that they signed quickly. Danico Autry, not a top five or top ten interior defensive lineman that they signed quickly. Uh, John Simon, Jabal Sheard, probably not top five, top ten defensive linemen that they, they signed quickly right out of the gate. So... Again, if if we're looking at history, and Mike, we we've talked, we we this is a, a topic that you already uh, touched on. Chris Ballard does not like to come out and make big splashes at the beginning of free agency. It's just not his mo. So if you're looking, if if Colts fans are out there expecting that, you might be disappointed. I'm not saying he's not going to do it. Maybe this year's different just because of the differences of the salary cap and what have you. But if you are fully expecting it and then nothing happens. I like you shouldn't be disappointed in that situation because this is exactly what he's done in the past. He's managed to get some good guys through it in the past. And if I just think you're setting yourself up for disappointment, if you think that the Colts are going to come out swinging next Wednesday, when the time is uh, finally here for free agency, I'm trying to wonder, would Justin Houston have been a top five guy at his position last year Uh, in in 19, probably close, probably close to it. He's probably as close to anyone as far as, one of the top guys, and you got him at a pretty good price. Two years, $23 million, So, And he was, what, 30 at the time. Yeah. And and you guys have both mentioned the fact that it's, it's kind of the perfect storm for a team like the Colts. You've got cap space. So many teams don't have cap space. The market is flooded with marginal players, but a lot of really good players. So I think, like Joe mentioned, you're gonna. I think you're gonna have the opportunity. I wouldn't see a one-year deal on a pass rusher, but I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna be able to get a, a Justin Houston type signing for the money that they want to pay. Just because it's like with T.Y. Hilton, you know, like Joe mentioned, if I can get a player similar to T.Y. for T.Y. money, then I resign T.Y. But yeah. if you can't, but if you can't, you're gonna have to pay. You know you're not going to get rid. Of, you're not going to sign Ty to ten, and get a suitable replacement for six. You're just not. So it's it's going it's going to cost you, but it's it's such a deep group of attractive receivers that I think you can get this stuff done in this in this environment, and not break your your salary cap budget. Yeah. The um, let's see. The same website I'm on here listed uh, Justin Houston as an outside linebacker, so that's how I had trouble dif- finding him okay. earlier. They listed him as the fourth best outside linebacker, okay. so there you go. So that was the year with uh, K.J. Wright from the Seahawks, Darius Smith, um, D. Ford, another Kansas City Chief. Uh, Terrell Suggs was up there, Bruce Irvin's up there. Um, so, um, so yeah, uh, there you go, Mike. You pulled one out. Uh, that, uh, well, and, and he was another one with uh, K.C. let him go in part because they were going to a 4-3. Right. And again, like, and just not, not to say that, hold on, I didn't exactly say that, but at the same time, I was saying if you come out guns blazing right at the top of free agency, and Houston wasn't signed until 10 days later. So right. that, that was one that, again, Chris Ballard was kind of, uh, wait, wait and see, pump the brakes. We're not going to just throw money right off the cuff when, when the gates open for everybody. They waited, and they were able to get Houston at, at that money because no one else was offering him any more. I, I well, want to say Houston had a lot of injuries coming into that offseason as well. He hadn't played a full season in a couple years, if I remember correctly. And he started every game for the Colts, didn't he? I, I believe so, yeah. I'll I, take I, that. We, we had talked, and it, Joe loves this because he loves to throw, you know, hey, this guy be great for the Colts. And I don't know that he worries too much about how they fit in the cap. I would be a terrible GM because I, I would spend Jim Ursay's money. You know, we've talked that this is the strangest dynamic where you've got the owner saying, basically, what do you need? What do you want? And, and the GM saying, no, that's okay. I don't need all those millions. But I, I, I just I just think that Ballard is confident enough in, in what he does. And I said, when I say he, I mean the personnel department, that they can that they don't have to sign uh, Von Miller to, you know, whatever, $16, $17 million, J.J. Watt, that they can get – a Justin Houston type guy. Now the problem is you uh, you got to be careful of getting going too. I hate these word cheap, but inexpensive because sometimes you get what you pay for. 
and to to get the better guys, you've got to pay a, a, a reasonable contract. But again, this is this is a year that some of those rules are are, are just they don't apply because again, so many teams don't have cap space, and and a lot of the players I think are going to like Joe Mitchell are, are going to want to wait. And they're going to want to say, "Give me that one-year deal," and and then when the when the cap really goes up next year and the year after, that's when I hit my my lottery uh, contract. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 take a look here. I mean, we got left tackle, receiver, tight end, corner, and defensive end. That's kind of the positions we've identified as needs for the Colts. I kind of have a list of players. Let's maybe rule out a few of the people who we think are going to price themselves out of the Colts range and then maybe identify a couple names that we think might fit with the Colts as far as their scheme and the salary cap situation and all that. Uh, And I want to start with you guys with Riley Reef because when I saw he was cut, I thought immediately that he might provide a good option for the Colts uh, if they don't want to rely completely on a rookie at left tackle this year. I think he'll come cheaper than of course, a Trent Williams, but also a Alejandro Villanueva. He's reliable. He's the kind of guy that you might be able to get on that one-year, $10 million prove-it type deal, something of that nature, at least in my mind. What do you guys think about that in the left tackle class? I think if you want to spend money, that's a good choice there. Here's what I think at left tackle, at least what I would be leading to. I think they draft a left tackle long-term you get him hopefully in the first round is what you're looking for and you get him for the next five years and he's on a relatively team-friendly deal there for five years um and i think for now maybe to hedge your bets you sign jason peters to a one-year deal and i know that he's had injury issues over the past couple years the former all pro in philadelphia um he's had trouble staying on the field but i think he's there to really bring along this new left tackle you get you groom him because Peters isn't going to be that expensive. He comes over. We we heard him say this, this last week that he thinks that Carson Wentz can return to his all-pro form. So you know that Peters has faith in Wentz. He has faith in Frank Reich. So I think he would come here. Nobody's going to spend too much money on Jason Peters. So you get him on a relatively cheap deal for one year. He can retire after this year. And then you had your left tackle of the future learning under Jason Peters for a year. So yeah, I, th- I, I, I think that would, that's, that's the most that. likely scenario. Yeah, and I, and I, because I think whether it's Peters or anyone else, you, you've got to, as much as you've got to solve your starting tackle spot, and I think the draft is where you need to do it for a lot of reasons. Who's your swing tackle? Right now, you don't have one. You know, you you can't anticipate Leroy Clark being ready. What well, he had the the Achilles injury, so I, I I do think there's going to be a veteran tackle in here as your backup. Now, whether that's to he's initial as starter until your first round pick gets ready. Generally, if you take a player in the first round, I think you believe he's ready to play. Costanzo was your tackle from day one. Tariq Glenn was your tackle from, well, he was your guard from the first year, and then he was your tackle from year two on. So, And I've mentioned this before, that I think that the draft is where you really need to go long-term because how many of your linemen, of your five linemen, can you pay top drawer money? It's just, I don't care how big the cap gets, you're going to pay Quentin Nelson – 20 million minimum. Uh, you're already paying Ryan Kelly as the highest paid center. And Braden Smith, you know, it's funny how uh, people don't want to be right tackles because, you know, left tackles, the, the marquee position. Right tackles are making pretty good money. So Braden Smith's mm-hmm. going to get 16 or 17 million as well. So how many, that's why I don't see a villain a wave if he's going to want to get three or four years or certainly Trent Williams. You ju- you just can't I, unless someone can explain to me. I don't know how you can budget that amount of massive money on your offensive line. Uh, maybe it can work, but I just don't think for these guys it will. No, I like that, Dave, because I, I think it is important that they bring in some kind of veteran, even if it is on a cheap deal. Because the other thing I know Chris Ballard and his staff doesn't want to do is pigeon themselves pigeonhole themselves into an offensive tackle in round one what if a pass rusher you have marked as an elite prospect falls to you at 21 you're going to pass him up just because you have the hole at tackle I'm sure they're going to want to keep their options open definitely they're probably going to draft a tackle within at least the first three rounds but they're going to want to keep those options open in case a marquee player falls to them so I think that's a great point some kind of veteran tackle will be brought in Let's look at wide receiver. A lot of options at wide out this year. 
some veterans, uh, guys just looking for one more stop before they call it a career, some guys who are younger and wanting to prove that uh, their first contract wasn't, wasn't their best. Um, T.Y. Hilton, of course, is kind of the first name we have to mention on this list because he's been a Colt for so long. He said one more contract and then he's done in the NFL. I don't know how long T.Y. Hilton will get in terms of contracts just because of everything we've talked about so far, uh, him being in his early 30s. But uh, you start with him for the Colts, and you look elsewhere. I think T.Y. is – I personally don't think he comes back. Uh, that's not to say that I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's back. I just don't think he will. I think he goes somewhere else. I think somebody brings him in, and uh, he's attracted elsewhere. John Brown is a name that obviously jumped to our, on our radar this week with his comments on uh, Sirius. Um, if you're looking for a veteran one-year deal, I think A.J. Green is not ridiculous, kind of in the same vein as, um, as Jason Peters, a guy who's had some injury issues and has had trouble staying on the field. I think Green wants a long-term deal, wants, well, maybe a four, three or four more years in a contract and is not going to get it this offseason for sure. So you take one year and see what he can do. Um, so that's, uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility for me. I think if you spend money, I would love Kenny Galladay. I think he's a great young, great young receiver. Um, and I think he would, he would pair well with everything else the Colts want to do. So, uh, that, that's when I look at this group, kind of those, those are my first thoughts when I look, when I look at this group, Joe, what about you? And then Mike, we'll, we'll wrap it up with you. I mean, if I had to bet, I don't think the Colts spend top tier money on, you know, some of the higher perceived wide receivers like Galladay, Will Fuller, Juju. And I wanted to ask you guys too, because I kind of got the feeling, um, is Kenny Galladay too similar to Michael Pittman Jr. as kind of that role as that 6'4", that big body wide receiver? Or can you never have enough big guys who can go over the top and pluck it off a DB's head? I just kind of get the feeling to round out this receiver core that wants some speed because you can't count on Paris uh, Campbell being healthy. But obviously, Galladay would greatly improve the wide receiver core. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? I think it's more of a money issue than it is a size or a, or a slot issue. I, I just, I'm with Dave. I just, they, they've never given us any reason to believe they're going to pay $16, $18, million, $20 million for a receiver. I just don't see it. Again, I think they, they with Michael Pittman, they, they believe they've got a number one. And they've got it at some level. They have to hope but not plan that Paris Campbell, and if he stays healthy, he's pretty good, pretty good player. That's why I, if you don't bring that back T.Y., it's got to be one of those $10 million guys. That probably eliminates a Corey Davis. Uh, who else is on here? Marvin Jones, maybe. I don't know. I think Nelson Aguilar is a pretty good possibility on that one-year deal because of the connecting the dots to Frank. But John Brown – it's funny how a player starts trying to set the market for himself mm-hmm. as far as getting interest. But uh, we will we will see at least one of those mid-level uh, receivers in here if it's not T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, Mike, I, I really like Marvin Jones. I think maybe a two-year deal for him could bring a veteran presence. We kind of talked about that last week. I could also see a, Emmanuel Sanders coming in on like a one-year, seven, eight million dollar deal and provide a veteran. I mean, he could play all over on that offensive scheme. Somebody like that who can just come in and so you're not solely relying on Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell, and Zach Pascal. What about tight end? Because if you say just the playmaker role, tight end's obviously included in that, even though it's not wide receiver. Um, Carson Wentz in his best year had Zach Ertz, who was great that year. Um, Ertz is a possible cap casualty for the Eagles. Um, he's still on the roster for now, or the Colts could trade for him if they really wanted him not to hit the open market. But there are some other tight ends here as well. Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, probably the two most dynamic, unless you uh, include Rob, Rob Gronkowski in that uh, discussion. But I don't think Gronkowski is going to come to Indy. I think he's Tampa Bay or bust right now. Um, but from, from this, like, I wouldn't be surprised... Uh, if the Colts, I, I would be more surprised if they spent big on wide receiver than if they spent big on tight end. If if uh, you follow me there, because a you don't spend quite as big if you get a top tier tight end like Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith, and b I think that like Frank Reich has tried and to to get a quote unquote top tier receiving tight end. Um, he did so with Eric Ebron. Uh, Trey Burton was a little bit of a whiff. 
Um, now I think that they might try again, whether it's that Smith or Henry or somebody else that they think is, is attractive in here to be a real pass-catching tight end to pair with Jack Doyle. Uh, I, I think that there will be a tight end that the Colts bring in uh, to to join the group and to kind of be that be that pass-catching guy over, in, over the middle of the field. I don't, I don't think they'll go big ticket, but you're talking again Hunter Henry where they're projecting 11 or $12 million a year. So, it, it, like you say, you're talking positional, so the top end is relative. I don't think they go that route. I just think that's more than what they want to pay, especially with the other issues they've got. Uh, but but, but there, there, there will be a tight end in here. Uh, I wrote about it earlier in the week, and Frank Reich has always, always uh, uh, focused on tight ends. He's almost every year that he's been a coordinator or assistant coach or a head coach, his tight ends have given him like 90 catches and 1,100 yards and 15, 16 touchdowns. So uh, they're going to find a way. Right now you've got Jack Doyle. You've got uh, Mo Ali Cox, who they've got to re-sign uh, with, with restricted tender. And then that's it. So they're, they're, I, I think they bring in a guy that you say, yeah, I remember that guy, or I, I know who that is. And then maybe a younger guy. They, I found it strange. Ballard has never drafted a tight end. I don't know if that's just a quirky thing in four years, but they've used free agency to address that with with uh, Ebron and uh, and, and Trey Burton. So I think they find two tight ends in free agency, one semi-expensive and one uh, cheap. Yeah, if if the Colts don't bring in Zach Ertz, Mark it down, Gerald Everett. That's my that's my guy for free agency that I'm predicting for the Colts. I, I really think he just fits what they want at the position. He's that athletic guy who can make something happen with the ball in his hands. Kind of that, I mean, the Colts don't have a speedy tight end in the group. Jack Doyle, don't get me started on his speed. <laughs> Mo Cox can move well for his size, but none of them are, have the ability to run away from today's linebackers like Gerald Everett does. So I think if they don't end up bringing back Ertz, who is familiar with Wentz, and kind of give him that, I don't know, comfort, a guy he's played with before and has had success with before, I think Gerald Everett fits both their price point and what they're looking for at tight end, because I think Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are just going to be too pricey for the Colts' taste. Agreed. If there's one position that I think the Colts spend big money on, big money in quotes, uh, I think it's defensive end. It's Ed's rush because of what Boward has done in the past, spending money on the defensive line, and uh, because of who's available as well. And uh, like we mentioned, uh, also not wanting to tie up as much money in the offensive line, uh, trying to spend some money elsewhere. Um, so you, you look at this group, Shaq Barrett, um, though I think he probably goes back to Tampa Bay, Carl Lawson, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Melvin Ingram, Romeo Okwara, uh, Bud Dupree, Trey Hendrickson. There's a lot of really good, good, good players on this list. And, of course, you include uh, Justin Houston and Danico Autry in this group as well, um, but just looking strictly outside the organization. Um, Trey Hendrickson's a really intriguing name since he had 13 and a half sacks, I believe it was last year. And he's, uh, New Orleans is probably not gonna be able to bring him back with their cap situation. Ryan Kerrigan, the Purdue guy, I'm sure he would be loved here. Yannick Ngakwe, people, people in Indy have seen what Yannick Ngakwe can do, uh, at his best. Uh, so, so there are so many options here. It's hard for me to pick one. Um, but, but I do like Trey Hendrickson. I do like Bud Dupree, um, but like I said, if there's one position that I think Ballard might be more willing to spend on than others, it might be this one. Mike, do you agree? Yes. If I had to say which one are they going to spend the most on, because this is the most, this is the position that costs you the most. One thing that Joe mentioned, and this is where the dominoes are 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 out of order for teams. Like Joe said, what what if you know? I've got the Colts taking a tackle at the 21 because because they need one worse than any other position. But what happens if that pass rusher who you didn't think would be there is there? Well, the problem is you can't wait till April, the end of April, to deal with your pass rush. So let's say you go out and pay money for Carl Lawson. Does that keep you from taking that pass rusher in, in round one and try to find your left tackle somewhere else? So ideally you'd have the draft before free agency so you could figure out you know, you could you could primarily get your guys through the draft and then fill in with free agency. Uh, I did, I, they will pay. This will be the most investment in the open market for these guys. Will be a pass rusher 
but having said that, it's they, they need it to be and they want it to be in that Justin Houston mold where you got pretty good return on the two-year $23 million. It may take more than 23 to get a guy now, but for all the reasons we talked about, one or two of these, three or four of these guys are going to have to settle for that one-year contract for maybe $10 million because the money's not going to be there. Anybody stand out to you guys on this list? I'd take Carl Lawson. I'd take Trey Hendrickson if I just had to take one. Trey Hendrickson. A name as far as that one-year $10 million, I thought Carlos Dunlap, when he got cut, was a guy who can still be productive, a veteran who I don't think will cost that. He might not even cost the full $10 million. Uh, He's 32 years old. Um, He still gets you six, seven, eight, nine sacks every single year. Uh, So he kind of seemed like a guy who the Colts might go with and they kind of hope that their young defensive ends step up, but he's that veteran to kind of plug in. Um, and then the two other guys who have really been tied to them, at least in Colts' Twitter circles, is Carl Lawson, Romeo Aquara. Uh, I, I could see Hendricks, Hendrickson and Aquara similar in the fact that they both are coming off by far the best seasons of their career. Like None of them have put up the kind of sack numbers that they had. Uh, in the several years leading up to this. So they kind of seem like the kind of players who are going to draw that big contract off of one year. And I'm not sure Ballard's going to go for that. He's kind of the guy that might get the player who's struggling, like or a player unknown like Autry, who has his best football ahead of him. Um, so Hendrickson and Aquara kind of scare me. I like Bud Dupree, but he just tore his ACL in December. Right. Um, so when can he get back for you? And then Ngakwe and Lawson are going to be at least four-year deals, I would think. Um, maybe Ngakwe get on a one-year prove-it deal since he didn't have the best season last year. I think he was with two different teams, right? Minnesota and the Ravens. Right, I think he was traded, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, kind of traded. I think the Jaguars traded in Minnesota, and then Minnesota traded right. him to the Ravens. So he's traded twice last year. Uh, so there's a lot of options for them to go. I think what they do is they sit back let the flurry happen, and then whoever's left, like Mike said, they give that one-year $10 million deal or two-year $24 million, something of that nature. One more position to break down before we wrap things up on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. That would be cornerback. Colts had a heck of a uh, performance from Xavier Rhodes last year, certainly a lot more than the three-and-a-quarter million that they paid him. Uh, it would be worth that much more. Um, so I think we've said in the past that, uh, at least I've said on this podcast, and some of you have agreed with me, that uh, out of all the free agents the Colts have, uh, perhaps Xavier Rhodes is the most likely to come back. Um, but nevertheless, there are other options out there. Uh, the top tier, big names from Patrick Peterson to Richard Sherman um, to guys like Ronald Darby, who uh, showed promise a couple years ago with the with the Eagles on their Super Bowl run but has struggled as of late. Um, uh, you, you look at this list, and uh, there, like I said, there's options. And uh, if it's not if it's not Xavier Rhodes, I can't imagine them bringing in a quote unquote big name from this list. Um, I think they would go uh, go elsewhere uh, to spend money uh, than cornerback. So it, it's tough for me to see them spending big money on one of those big names in cornerback. Is there a guy on here you could see them giving a Xavier Rhodes like contract like they did last year, like a one year three million dollar deal, and then somebody on this list really? outperforms that that's a good question i you know i one guy you don't have what about mike kenton you haven't got him on here is he a possibility he's he's kind of a slot corner where kenny moore plays because i think you're going to bring tj Carey back so you don't so you don't need that that's why this is to me of all of all their free agents that they've got ready to go on in the open market xavier rhodes is probably the one that i wouldn't want to get out there because he may he might get a bigger contract. I think normally when guys get to the market, they don't come back. Maybe he's the one that doesn't come back, but I just don't know that, that, that Ballard looks at this list and says, this is the guy we're going to pay big money on. There's more likely, and I, I couldn't give you a name. There's more likely a guy here that you're going to give that Xavier Rhodes one year, maybe 5 million on a prove it deal. And you may be able to get that guy in, in uh, the second wave of free agency. 
I could see that being Janoris Jenkins from the Saints. He, he's a guy who's had some really up and down years in his career. Uh, uh, another veteran player around 30 like Rhodes was. I could see him potentially being the next Xavier Rhodes. But I agree with both of you. Best case scenario for the Colts is they bring Xavier Rhodes back on a reasonable price point. I think the, the name to look for if it's not Rhodes from this list is Kevin King from the Packers. Um, he's had four years there, uh, played out his rookie deal. Um and two years ago, it looked like he was a, a budding, budding star. Like, he had five interceptions, uh, had a forced fumble. Uh, but last year, really struggled through some injuries, played 11 games, didn't have a single interception. And uh, That's Scotty Miller yeah, behind and him. And according to, according to Pro Football Reference, had gave up a 95.8 passer rating and allowed 63% uh, completion percentage. So those aren't very impressive numbers from last year. But again, you look at what happened. He was battling through injuries. And you look what happened two years ago. He's shown he has some potential. So he's a guy that's not going to get scooped up, I don't think, right out of the bat as a big money, big name guy. But it could certainly be a guy that takes a one-year deal, a prove-it deal to say, hey, I'm more like the 2019 version of myself than the 2020 version of myself. And then goes into free agency again, just like Xavier Rhodes did for the Colts this past season. Good point. So, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. So Kevin King is like like you said, uh, if it would be anybody like Xavier Rhodes, uh, perhaps Kevin King is a name like that from Green Bay. So, a lot, lot of speculation, a lot of intriguing discussions, and if you want to catch up on any of our free agent discussions, I'd encourage you to download, subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and uh, check them out. We did shows on all of these big positions that the Colts will be looking to do something with this offseason, whether it's in free agency or the draft. But the first chance to fill some of those holes comes next week with the start of the new league year and free agency opening on Wednesday, March 17th. That'll do it for this round of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for Colts news and notes throughout the week. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm Dave Griffiths, and I'm at Dave G underscore sports. We thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week, and we will see you next week to talk about the start of free agency on the next Colts Blue Zone podcast. 